At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Hey everybody, welcome to Circling the Bases. Hope everyone is enjoying their week. We're just a couple of weeks until we are officially into summer. And as baseball fans, it's awfully tough time. Tough to, tough to beat this time of year and tough to beat how well I did that intro. Today, I am joined by a very special guest. He has written and written well for many publications, including Baseball Prospectus and The Athletic. Currently covers the Red Sox with his excellent Socks Outsider Newsletter, please welcome my good friend, Matthew Corey. Matthew, how are we doing today? I'm hanging in there, Chris. Uh, thank you for that wonderful introduction that I did not deserve, but <laughs> I appreciate it. No, you're very much deserved as well. I got to ask, I know you're a big Washington Capitals fan. Oh, yeah. Who are you rooting for in these Eastern Conference Finals? Well, uh, I think... Uh... Anyone but the Rangers. So okay. whoever they're playing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so funny because uh, I, I feel like with hockey, like the, the hatred gets so intense, you know, when sure. you, when you play a, a team and, and the caps have played the lightning a bunch of times and sure. lost to them and beat them. And you know, that's how it goes. But so it, it's, I, I definitely don't like the lightning, <laughs> but I don't like the Rangers even more. And so that's kind of how that yes. works. But uh, I, I really, really love watching um, Colorado play the uh, McKinnon and uh, Landis Cog, and uh, you know the list goes on. Uh, Natushkin yeah. and Makar is incredible. Yeah, just watching yeah. watching all those guys play is is a treat. So I'm kind of rooting for them. You know, I don't do too many hockey cards, but I sold a uh, Makar autographed rookie card and regret it like <laughs> yeah. every other day because. <laughs> I mean, that guy looks like he's on his way to wherever the Hockey Hall of Fame is. Uh, yeah, he's he's so good. His skill set is so impressive. And I also, as a Kraken fan, lament the fact that uh, Landis Gog should probably be a member of this team instead of Jonas Donskoy, who is, you know, it is what it is. But yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, I think that I think the rebuild is shortened quite a bit by having Landis Gog. But of course, Landis Gog probably preferred to play in Denver and that's fine. I imagine. Um, yeah, but I uh, I did have to ask you about that because I do know as a, a fan of the Capitals that this is kind of a a worst case scenario finale. I can't imagine that there's one. That oh, the Penguins are not worse. in it. So I'm Oh, that's a good Pe point. Penguin yeah. Flyers I think would be would be the Ooh, that would be me yeah. putting my head through a wall repeatedly. There so, you yeah. go. 
Yeah. So let's talk about that other team that I know that you like and have covered and have been super high on and super low on at different times. And uh, that like within the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is that kind of describes the Boston Red Sox 2022 season? This has been weird, no? Yeah, it has been. It, it's it's a bit of a, uh, a microcosm of the last like 10 or 15 years. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I'm so Red Sox focused, but I can't, I can't think off the top of my head of maybe you can uh, of a, an organization, a baseball team that has had so many ups and downs, world series champions, last place finishes, top 10 draft picks, Bobby Valentine. <laughs> I mean, you know, Mookie Betts is the MVP. Then they trade Mookie Betts. So it's, yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. And this season has been, has been crazy too. I I pulled up some stats in April. They were 28th in baseball in weighted runs created plus 30% below league average. They hit 225, 273, 336 that month. That was, and, and then in May, they were the best team in baseball, best offensive team in baseball. 133 weighted runs created plus. That's a 63 point swing. Goodness. They hit 282, 346, 476. That's a 140 point slugging difference. My goodness. And it's not like they had injuries like Bogarts, Devers, no. JD, Story. Everybody was in the lineup for both months. Like, yeah, it, it was. <laughs> I, I watched all of it just about. And, and, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's very very weird. I I don't know what happened, but whatever it is, it's better now. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it's much preferable <laughs> to watch this version of the baseball team. And it, I will point out that as a guy who has lived near Seattle his entire life, it's kind of funny. It seems like that Mariner series was kind of the turning point. <laughs> um, a four game sweep of that series where there were some close games, but it was very clear who the best team in that series was. And I will say too, that is kind of the turning point of, you know, Trevor story who I want to ask you about because (laughs) to say things did not go well to begin his time in Boston is the understatement of understatement. And you might take a look at his line and you see 229, 317, 443, Nine home runs, 41 RBIs, you know, not great numbers, but I don't think they're even kind of close to indicative of how good Trevor Story has been basically since that Mariner series. I have to ask you a couple of things. Okay. Number one, is there something different that Trevor Story has done since that time? And two, is it sustainable? Is this the version of Trevor Story that we're going to see for most of the season? I'm making you make that prediction okay yes so a couple things after april right in early may uh he switched to using a cricket bat and that's really cut down on this <laughs> uh, no um there's there's nothing huge like that 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 i've come across or or heard anyone else find i mean he was so bad in april uh you know his ops started with a five and anytime your ops starts with a five you don't really need to go any further than that like that kind of tells you everything you need to know there are some caveats to that though like but you know potential reasons you know he he signed late so he really didn't have a lot of spring training and then the little bit of spring training that he had was cut short um when his wife gave birth and he left the team uh, to be with her which he should have done and did absolutely 
And uh, but you know that probably uh, uh, cut down on his his preparation time for the season. Um, and then he got sick. He didn't have COVID supposedly, um, but uh, but he got sick and he missed some time. And I think there was some you know even though he came back, I think there was some recovery uh, still happening during that time. So I think you know the combination of of that and then you know moving to a new team in a new city in a new league. Um, getting out of the elevation of of Coors Field in Denver, I think all of that probably made April extra difficult for him. And you know, he I think he's probably found his sea legs, you know, a little bit, so to speak. So, you know, you, I think you you asked, is this what we're going to see for the rest of this season? I would expect so. Uh, I would expect so. You know, two fifty to two seventy five. 340 ish, uh, you know, 475 to 500 slugging. I'm, that's what Trevor Story does. And that's more or less what we should expect as long as, you know, as long as he stays healthy, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, he's traditionally done for the most part. Um, so, right. Yeah. That was a good I, ending of my sentence right there. Yeah, I thought no, that was awesome. That, the way I just trailed off and you were like, are you done? I don't know what's going that's, on. That's perfect. Yeah. That's almost as good as my introduction, <laughs> but it is very, it, it was You and stuff. I, oh my gosh. Um, yes. I, 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 t- I tend to agree. And I think that there are, maybe he was a little bit a victim of expectations. It's tough to say that when, again, when your OPS begins with five, like you said, you can't say it's too much about expectations. I would say the most encouraging thing here is that he is driving the baseball exceptionally well. If you look at baseball savant, he's in the 91st percentile in barrel percentage. So when you combine that with the fact that he's drawing walks, his expected weighted on base averages in the 60th percentile, 67th percent in expected slugging percentage, 76 in sprint speed. I think one of the most encouraging things here is that he's running. I was not sure how much Trevor Story was going to run as a member of the Boston Red Sox because Matthew, you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong. This is not exactly an organization known for letting people get get that green light when they get on first base. No. I mean, they haven't traditionally had a lot of guys with you know with above average speed, but when they have right. those guys, those guys often run. I mean, you know, we saw Ellsbury. This is digging a little bit uh, back into the past, but you know, we saw Ellsbury sure. uh, uh, steal a lot of bases, and including stealing home against the Yankees. Where, uh, by the way, where he he tripped and and uh, he like basically if you, if you ever run like fast enough where you kind of lose your balance because no. you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, he basically did that. He, he just uh, lost his balance because he was like running so fast and basically like belly flopped into the plate and was safe anyway. So that's just a fun anecdote. But the, um, no, the, the point is that, yeah, I think, I think they, you know, I, I think the Red Sox aren't against stealing so much as they're against just uh, a dumb base running. So running for the sake of running. Yeah. You know, we saw Bobby Dahlbeck steal a base last night in the, eighth or ninth inning i can't remember towards the end of the game and you know just but nobody expected that to happen but <laughs> but it did and, and and he was safe by by a lot which is probably why he went so yeah I, I, and that's fair it, it's just you know this is a team you know that is traditionally more of a three true outcomes kind a station of to yeah, station exactly. three true outcome perfectly exactly said but that it's very encouraging to see just because you know for from a fantasy perspective you have to love the fact that he's running and aesthetically, run, aesthetically, it's it's yes. it's kind of a more fun oh, brand of of, you're, of game. You're not kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is fun. It, 
The stolen base to me is the most exciting play in baseball, and it is why. Rob, if you're listening to me, limit the pickoffs. That's the that is the rule that you've got to implement, man. If you if you put in the rule to limit pickoff attempts and you start to get these guys to basically guarantee almost that you're gonna see more stolen bases, you will see the quality of the game improve so much. Uh Rob, you got my you got my voice or my you don't have anything. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, they've talked there. about making the bases bigger. And yes, and I, I think that's an interesting idea, you know, for for injury purposes, injury prevention. Yeah. Um, but, right. but I kind of don't think it goes far enough. Like I, I would replace the bases with moon bounces. I think that, uh, <laughs> I mean, imagine a guy running around, you know, second and he gets to second and just like, and then just goes towards third. I think that's perfect. <laughs> One guy I think who would benefit from that is unfortunately a guy who actually was, uh, demoted to AAA not too long ago after having a handful of games. I want to talk to you about Jaron Duran. I should have because... thought of him when uh, when you brought up the previous thing, and I didn't. Which is... <laughs> That's okay. Oh, yeah. That is a-okay. He is a very fast young man, and I just saw on Twitter, right before we were about to start recording, an article from Christopher Smith, I believe Mass Live, <laughs> that showed his arms are built like a middle linebacker. But he does definitely have a lot of speed. You should see his dad. What his dad is oh, yeah. like uh, like a bodybuilder. He's just like interesting. Like oh, so it's like me. a Tyler O'Neill type situation. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, not getting a chance to play now because he literally can't since he's in AAA. But I can't help but think Jaron Duran has a chance to carve out a role with the Boston Red Sox this year. Do you agree with me, Matthew? Please say yes. Yeah, I. I do think so. I think there's some limiting factors. Um, I, I think his hitting has come around nicely. And I think the team is, mm-hmm. is excited about, about that. You know, last season we saw, you know, where he kind of popped on the prospect radar. We saw him hitting for a lot of power. And that's, you know, that's really not who he is. You know, he's not a 40 home run guy. And no. I, I think he got aided by, um, you know, the, the small, uh, you know, park in Worcester, the, the new AAA park for the Red Sox uh, that was just built first season was last year. And yes, you know, there's there's apparently quite a strong breeze that blows out to right field there. Uh, so it, ate, Sounds it lovely. aids lefty hitters. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's very nice. And so I think he got caught up in 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 kind of that. And, and the Red Sox have worked to refine his approach. That is a sweet jersey over your shoulder there, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you, um, sir. Yeah. And uh, so I think, you know, he, he's also gone through a whole bunch of different stances and, and you know, ways to hold his hands and and uh, and, and things have, have kind of, you know, evolved and evolved and evolved to the point where I think it's got to be a little difficult uh, to hit when you're constantly switching up your, your hitting mechanics. Um, right. But I think he's come across something that that's working for him. And, you know, we can see it in his, uh, you know, in his stats, both home and away in AAA. Um, and I, I think the issue with him is, well, two things. One is his defense isn't very good. He's got a lot of speed, but he's just not really taken to center field and reading baseballs off the bat. And right, like he can make up for some of it because of his speed. But it's uh, it, it's not it's not great. And I, I he doesn't no. really have the arm for right field 
uh, and he's not really, you know, maybe defense will improve. I mean, he's originally an infielder and the Red Sox, you know, transitioned him to the outfield. So <laughs> maybe there's still some improvement to be done there, but I kind of think maybe not, uh, which kind of limits him to left ultimately. And for the Red Sox right now, if he's a left fielder, they already have Verdugo. And if so, if you move Duran into left, you've got to move Verdugo somewhere else. And Verdugo's foot speed has kind of gone like this since he came over yeah. from LA. And sure, you know, he was talked about as a guy who could play every outfield position. And I don't know if it's something in the water there because that was kind of the Ben and thing, also. But both those guys kind of are left fielder only at this point. Um, so I, I, there's a bit of a, of a lock up there, you know there's not really a spot for him and left. Um, so I, I don't know how it works. You know, they're both also left-handed, so you can't really platoon. Um, the one thing that kind of gives me more hope is, you know, they don't really have a long-term answer in right field. Uh, right. Maybe not even in center. I mean, Enrique's had a tough season in center field, uh, or not defensively, but just at the plate. Right. Um, and he's not signed after the season, so it's not clear what's going on there. And, and you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. in right field um, defense has been outstanding. And I think we kind of knew that uh, coming in and he's got, you know, flexibility defensively. They can move him to right or left. Uh, he can play both positions well above average, but, you know, not so much with the hitting. Uh, so, and he's also not signed, uh, you know, past this year. So I, I don't, I think there's, I think it's more likely that, that there's a spot for Duran long-term after the season. Um, then again, I could also see him moved to a team that believes in defense a little bit more that, yes, I kind of didn't want to say that, but that's kind of where I feel like things might go. Yeah. It makes so much sense. I, as much as, I'd love to see him in Boston just because, you know, I love homegrown players and I think that he could make a big difference in that lineup. I think the defensive shortcomings are something to really have to, you have to keep an eye on not, and it's, he's a perfect example of the fact that athleticism does not necessarily equate to good defense. It off, it helps. It can help you. uh, It can definitely help you uh, rebound from a poor read or anything like that but he's not a very good defensive outfielder. And that's a tough place to play defense. Yeah, um, yeah, true. If he does get that regular chance, I'll just say this to fantasy managers around the world. You have to add him because he has a chance to help in a bunch of categories. No, he's not a 40 home run hitter, but he's improved his strength since he came from long beach state so much. And I do think there is a chance that he can be a, a 20 to 25 homer guy and hit a bunch of doubles, especially with uh, I guess and there's triples. a wall. Oh. Yeah, in dribbles. Yeah, I guess there's a wall in Boston that can a wall. Uh, uh, Where? Play. Yeah, Boston? well, uh, it's like that. sorry. I think it's somewhere between Waltham and uh, I don't know any other <laughs> places in Massachusetts. But yeah, I do think there is a chance for Jaron Duran uh, to carve out a role, but it might take a trade, and it might not be for the Boston Red Sox. Um, weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Athletics face the Guardians in Cleveland on Sunday, June 12th at 1130 a.m. Eastern live on NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to Peacock TV, PeacockTV.com slash MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, 
Download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBed and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick 'em Pause Pick 'em contest. I was doing so well. Uh, Matthew, we talked about the hitters. Let's talk about the pitching. And, you know, it's been, it really kind of carried them when the offense was uh, going down, which, as everyone expected, that was going to be the strength of the team. The guy who has been the most impressive to me, and I think it just goes without saying, is Michael Waka. We all knew that, though. That's why they gave him a 10 year contract. Yeah, that 10 year contract from Michael Waka, who has not been a. role player journeyman at all over as of late is this legit obviously i'm not asking you if he can post an era below two but is what michael waka is doing right now something that is remotely sustainable i mean a little bit i think i think that's the answer and you know we, we talk about like hot streaks for hitters but we don't really talk about hot streaks for pitchers but i think right. maybe we should and i think that's kind of what this is you know, Michael Waka is a guy who, you know, to succeed with the stuff he has, he's got to induce weak contact. He's not a big strikeout guy. He has to get, you know, guys uh, uh, to swing at stuff, uh, swing at pitches on the on the edges of the zone and outside the zone. Sure. And and that's what he's you know successfully done so far this season. And so is that sustainable? Yeah, I think that is to a certain extent, you know, I mean, he's probably going to throw over the next, you know, a couple months, he's probably going to throw more bad pitches and probably more of those bad pitches will get hit than in the previous couple, uh, previous couple months, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think though, that's what his success has got to be, you know, he's, he's commanded the ball much better this season than he did last year. You know, if you look at baseball savant, um, you can see his pitches by location. Um, and, and, you know, he's managed to keep the pit, keep the balls on the outside of the plate and outside, uh, outside of the inside of the zone. If that makes any sense. It does. Yeah. His pitch mix is a little bit different. You know, he's he's de-emphasized the cutter, um, some more fastballs, a few more curveballs. So, you know, I, I think, uh, like you said before, um, it's he's not a sub-two ERA guy. Uh, uh, but, you know, I think he's a three-and-a-half if he stays healthy and continues to pitch well. And I think that's kind of where his, you know, expected metrics are. Um, you know, but the, the great thing for the Red Sox is that, you know, this sub two ERA, the innings already are banked, you know, he just, right. They, they just won a game where they scored one run because Waka threw a complete game shutout. So really impressive start. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it did come against a team that uh, is not exactly playing the best baseball in the world. But if you watched Waka pitch, and I watched a lot of that start, he pitched really well. And it's, yeah, you know, it's it's worth pointing out that, like, you, you take a look at the Savant page. And again, I will remind everyone that the Savant page is not predictive. It right. is just the metrics. It tells you how deserving he's been of what he's done right now. He's deserving. Like, his weighted on base average is 234. That is an excellent number uh expected era of 3.79 you know that's double what his actual era is but very few pitchers have an expected era of 1.99 right it takes yeah it takes luck to get this stuff. the the one thing guess, oh sorry 
Go no, there's just no, just one last uh, stat that I wanted to point out. That his is the percentage of uh, balls uh, pitches that are getting barreled up um, is his lowest since 2017, mm. 5.6%, which is below his career average. Lower is good here, so uh, below his career right. average and and well below the last two or three seasons. So I you know I think that's indicative of how he's got to pitch and how he has been pitching. Absolutely. And I will say this too, like his walk percentage is in the 53rd percentile and it's one of the worst that he's had, but I actually think that's a good thing. It's, he is, you know, he's not nibbling, but he is avoiding those, you know, we, we talk about, we, we don't promote their podcast, but effectively wild is a thing. He's not wild by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not so bad sometimes to have a walk. It is better to give that up sometimes than, the the two run homer and hopefully you know you don't have a walk that preceded that i would just say this with waka if i'm uh, have him on my fantasy roster if you could deal him right now for uh a legitimate mid rotation starter i think i would because i just don't think he's going to miss enough bats to truly help you win in those categories but this is pretty legit i think there's going to be a lot of Six inning, two run starts, five inning, two run starts, those type of things, which, you know, if they only come with two or three strikeouts, they're not elite, but he can certainly help you. And it's fun to see for a guy, you know, when he was with the Cardinals, this guy looked like he was on his way to being a really, really good pitcher. And then, you know, some injuries happened and some regression happened, Uh, but it's been fun to see. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So. No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. On the other side of the spectrum, the Boston bullpen, and I have to make you put on your fantasy hat here, and I I hate even making you wear a hat because you have such good hair. Thank you. But uh, you're very welcome. (laughs) You look at this bullpen and you have, I believe there are five pitchers who have picked up saves. One of those pitchers is now a member of the rotation in Garrett Whitlock. And then you have Matt Barnes with two, Hansel Robles with two, Matt Stram with two, John Schreiber with one, and Jake Diekman with one. What? And, and, (laughs) and, And how? And is any of those guys going to be the actual closer of the Boston Red Sox or is this just the situation of situations to avoid so you remember when Theo Epstein came in uh this is again going 
way back because I'm a cert- okay. certified old at this point. <laughs> Big time, same. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he initially, you know, wanted to kind of do away with bullpen rolls, and you know, the the media uh, in Boston and the fans following the media's lead kind of freaked out. You know, uh, everybody needs rolls, and oh my gosh, we're gonna. You know, <laughs> um, and they ended up having to. Anyway, whatever. Uh, they, they made a, a trade for a closer middle of the year because it, at a certain point, you just don't want to deal with that garbage anymore. But sure, I, I think this is a little bit that without the statement, you know, the, you know, the, they're they're kind of just getting a bunch of guys who they think can help and maybe without the expectations and the roles. I'm not saying this is the best way to construct a bullpen or even that this bullpen is necessarily quote-unquote good right but you know it's been okay yeah and they have a bunch of guys who can come in and and they can you know they they don't have to go to a certain guy in a certain uh situation you know when that guy might have pitched the last two days they have different guys who can come in and guys who are rested and you know they can they can rotate through through people and 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 pull the best guy for the best situation and i think there's something to that so you know, it, it, for a, as far as fantasy goes, it's probably pretty awful. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's a bit like uh, you know, instead of one starting running back, you have like six guys. <laughs> it's exactly like that. That's a great comp. But um, but I, actually, I I do think there is somebody who is in the bullpen now and uh, probably has some real baseball as well as fantasy relevance, and that's Tanner Houck. Um, I think he's he's worth rostering. I'm not going to really try to give anyone fantasy advice. So uh, maybe I should not say that, but I, nope. but I think he's a, <laughs> I think he's a, a good uh, pitcher. He's going to get a lot of strikeouts. And Cora said the other day that they're going to use him in a one or two inning role. Yesterday he pitched in the seventh and eighth. And I think he struck out three or four guys. Uh, nice. Yeah. His slider is ridiculous. Um, you know, if you check out Rob Friedman's, you know, Twitter feed, you'll, you'll see it frequently, uh, on there. Yes. Um, he, uh, he got a guy to swing and miss at a slider. I want to say last week, um, uh, that, that hit him. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it, it was quite a pitch. It started well outside and, uh, eventually, uh, hit him in the leg and he swung and missed at it. So it was a strike. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's probably the guy that I would be rostering as well. And I'm glad you brought him up just because, you know, I'd love to talk about Cutter Crawford. I'm proud of all of my major league baseball sons, but I just don't think that he's going to have, he's an interesting pitcher in the long term. I'll tell you that I will. Let me ask you this real quick. And then I'll ask you one final question before we go. Okay. Let's say this bullpen continue, or, you know, let's say that things get worse. Hard to do imagine. You think there, yeah. <laughs> do you think there is a chance that Garrett Whitlock is moved back into that bullpen role, or is he a starter to stay? Well, so it's interesting. Um, I think it's going to depend on a couple things outside of his control. I, I think he's kind of going through a bit of a dead arm period right now, and I think that's why yeah. some of the swing and miss has gone away. I'm sure. slightly concerned, but not too concerned with Whitlock. But they, the Red Sox have a bunch of guys in AAA who I think can help in the bullpen. Um, and a lot right. of them are starters in AAA, but um, you know, you're probably going to run up against some innings limits. So depending on where those guys slot, you know, you can you can move 
people like Hauk or Whitlock back and forth as necessary. You know, I, I think the team mm-hmm. doesn't want to do too much more of that because they've kind of bounced Whitlock around a little bit. Yes. But uh, Brian Bello, who is, or Bayo, I'm not sure, uh, Bayo maybe, um, is a, uh, uh, I think he's starting to hit some one, top 100 lists. Uh, he yeah. moved up to AAA. Um, you know, he's really popped this season. He had two 10 strikeout games in his first two starts in AAA. You know, he's, he's legit. And I think, you know, I'm not, off the top of my head, I'm not sure about innings limits for him, but I wouldn't be shocked if he showed up in the Boston bullpen at some point later this year. Kind of the same story, the back part of that story for Brian Mata, who is, um, I think, I don't know if he was ever a top 100 guy, but maybe, you know, top 150 guy. Sure. And he had uh, Tommy John um, and is is working his way back, but he's been clocked at 100 miles an hour. He just had a rehab start in single A, two innings, but uh, but he's he's working his way back up. And uh, he's a guy, uh, you know, I could see, uh, you know, in a in a one or two inning role. Um, and uh, two other quick names to throw at you. Uh, Frank German. He's just a reliever. He's not a starter, but um, he was a, a gift from the Yankees to take Adam out of Vino's contract uh, last year. Yes. I think he's a, you know, he perfectly, you know, normal uh, relief guy, but, but he could come up mm-hmm. um, and take a role in the pen. Um, and, and Josh Winkowski um, who came over in the Ben and trade fastball slider change up, you know, basic starter, probably not going to blow anyone away, but he's, he's, maybe a, a multi-inning guy in the in the pen um so anyway they have a bunch of guys who can kind of come up and you know maybe one of them will pop in that role and and then sure yeah i don't know if i answered your question or if i just threw no you did at you no no that's and i'm glad you brought up bayo because he is a guy who just made my top 10 prospect list for the remainder of the season i right. do think he's going to get that chance to get a chance to pitch with boston and if he does not a guy I'm rostering right now, but certainly a guy that when he gets that chance, assuming he's not facing like the Blue Jays or some or the Yankees or something like that, I, I'm considering streaming because to say he has swing in this stuff is an understatement of understatement. And I'm glad you brought up Winkowski too because I will always remember him as the guy who signed his first Bowmans with black ink instead of blue ink because <laughs> it's very easy to tell when you hit his card because. Uh, if you see any type of black ink, you say, "Oh, it's this guy." That's funny. What, <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it. What year is his? Uh... 2021 Bowman Chrome. So okay. not the Bowman Baseball in the spring, yeah. but the one that they put out in the summer version. Okay. Yeah, he signed. He signed all his cards in black ink. That's hilarious. And it is very much uh, standing out. And then, real quick, also Tristan yeah. Casis, a guy that I'm considering rostering as well. He was on a minor league rehab assignment not too long ago. Do you think he has a chance to become the first baseman of this team? I know Bobby Dahlbeck swung the bat a little bit better, but not really putting up the numbers you want from your quarter infielder. Dahlbeck's been pretty bad, and he's not a very good fielder either. So he's not even helping you there. Um, I think think there's a couple things. Throws hard. Yeah, yeah, maybe (laughs) maybe he's a guy you want to roster as a reliever later. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) But – no, I, I think I think well, Casas has a high ankle sprain, and so it's going to take some time for him to get back fully from that. And he was down at, uh, at the alt site uh, in um, uh, Fort Myers, you know, rehabbing. 
So I think there's some time for for you know before he can get back on the field and and be a contributing member. But I I do think, I mean he's such a good hitter. You know if you yeah. look at his AAA stats, they're fine, but they don't really pop off the page. Um, but I have it on pretty good authority that the exit velocities are crazy, and he was you know getting incredibly unlucky with with uh, batted balls. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, and and there the Red Sox are in no way, shape, or form concerned about his hitting. You know, he's gonna he's gonna hit, um, and he's a good defensive first baseman from what I understand. Like, so I I think there's absolutely a, a you know a space given what Bobby Dahlbeck has done. Um, you know, this season. Um, so I, I think it's a question of getting him healthy and, and getting him, you know, back up to triple a and, and, you know, producing at, you know, his current level or, or slightly better even. And, and then, um, you know, then, then maybe you make that space for him uh, at the major league level, but I don't think that's going to happen until August, you know, or, yeah, or so maybe even slightly later, depending. It just really, I think is going to depend. He may force the issue. You know, if he yeah. goes on a real hot tear or Bobby Dalbeck might force the issue too, if this starts to get real, real bad, because I mean, he's already just, been real, real bad. Like he's real, he's yeah. really, really bad. I mean, tons yeah. of strikeouts, very little yeah. contact, very little good contact and, and then it's, not great defense. The problem is they just don't have anybody else. So he keeps playing you know, like they moved Cordero. Uh, you know, over to first base, and he's not a first baseman, but he actually hits better than Dahlbeck, and he feels better than Dahlbeck. I think he's more of a role player than a kind of yeah, a star. Oh, for sure. But um, yeah, but that's how bad Dahlbeck has been. That they had to move a corner outfielder back, yeah. a corner outfielder over to to help him out there. And I would be worried about uh, Dahlbeck going forward, just because yeah. that skill set is just. It's so much grip and rip, and you really have to have the power from him. And this was the concern in Arizona, was that whether or not that power is going to play when there is so much issues, not just with contact, but with hard contact as well. Before I let you go, I'm not going to – I'm going to put a theoretical weapon of some sort to your head. We'll call it um, – we'll call it a, a drum kit or something like that. Are the Boston Red Sox a playoff team in 2022? I think so. I think I, you know, I don't expect them to catch the Yankees. The Yankees have played so well. Goodness gracious. Yeah. But you know, the Blue Jays have really underperformed. They've been very underwhelming. Uh, you know, the Rays are good, but not great. I, I think there's some space, you know, in, in the AL, especially if you, you know, look at the other divisions, the way the angels are playing, the way the Mariners are playing, uh, the way the entire AL Central is playing. Right. I think the Red Sox are good enough. You know, the the hiccup that was April uh, aside that, uh, you know, that they, they can do it. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do at the deadline because Me too. they have so many guys on expiring contracts. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if there was some tearing down and some building up simultaneously sure. i mean the the list of guys who are on the red sox now who are likely to not be there next year is just about everybody uh it's a very interesting roster right now yeah we can get yeah, into it I, more if you want but i, I understand we're up against yeah it. No, no that's okay yeah. i i will say yes too i think the al east i predicted this before the season and i haven't seen anything that really changed my mind 
I think they're getting four in, and I think either Chicago or Minnesota's getting that spot, and I think Houston is a lock. I cannot see. It's just too hard for me to see a wild card from anywhere else, to be completely honest with you. Right, right. Do I I think they're six of the six? Yeah, I do. I do think that, you know, Toronto, you know, they weren't overwhelming, but are starting to play baseball at a much better rate, partially because my sweet, sweet Vladdy is starting to hit the ball over the fence again. And Tampa Bay, you know, love them or hate them, they're really good at this. And they kind of just figure out a way to get this done. I think the trade deadline is going to be, that is going to be a fascinating situation because of what you brought up. The fact that they have so many guys who are not likely part of the roster, but also could be like, right. How much are they going to upgrade? It'll be very interesting to see, but they also have a very good farm system now. It was a not a such a good farm system a few years ago. Definitely not a good farm system because of the Mookie Betts trade, which I know you made me promise and sign an NDA and not mention it all. But, you know, it's that is not the reason that this farm system is good. Uh, but it's a pretty good farm system now. I will be Mookie, very curious to see it. Yeah, it's like he's. I, you know what? I think he's going to win an MVP this year. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, and good for him. Yes. I, I, you know, I know we both love him very, very much. Always, Mark always, and unconditionally. Yes. Mookie Betts, come on the podcast, Ooh, Matthew. You. Thank you so much for doing this. Please, please, please tell everyone how they can get your work. Well, uh, socks outsider at dot substack.com is where the newsletter is. It's free. I do it for fun. Um, the last couple of weeks, uh, I have had COVID and I'm recovering. And so there's been a lot less writing than I like, but I typically write three times a week. And so you can go to socksoutsider.substack.com and sign up for free. And whenever I write something, it'll show up in your inbox. If God forbid you decide to uh, go on to twitter.com, you could find me there uh, at Maddie Maddie 2000. I don't encourage that type of behavior, but, but, but that exists. Uh, you're a good Twitter follow. I have to say so. I, I actually do encourage it. I just uh, recommend um, use Twitter responsibly if that's physically possible. Yeah, I think I'm that's right. Really sure. I think that's right. Yes. <laughs> that's going to do it. Thank you so much. If you liked what you heard, Please rate the show five stars. Please subscribe. Stay tuned tomorrow for Drew Silva and DJ Short for their show. You can follow me on Twitter at Crawford underscore MILB. And again, follow Matthew at MattyMatty2000. Thanks again. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we will see you guys soon. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.